Hey, I'm Justin Greenwood, artist of Compass and Stumptown and Crone, and you are listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> think that hit the fence so we're good ah no it's good to keep it inside the fence you're still going to get to third better than hitting the fan yeah yep and you got a duck because that stuff tends to come back at you (laughs) it tends to return to the source remember when you were little and i don't know you had an older cousin or someone and they're like yeah scream into the fan really cool that's like what yeah just talking to the fan like okay and then once you knew what it did you were doing it all day it's like where's finney he's screaming into the fan he's talking it's fun okay we're screaming into your fan right now because this is 11 o'clock comics episode 778 and i'm vince b you are vince b i am david a price Indeed you are, and you all have watched a lot of me lately, for I am Gerald of Rivia. You wish you looked as good as that man. Oh, that's for sure. <laughs> God damn. Good. I mean, I I love the women, but Jesus. <laughs> I know, whatever yeah, he... the definition of man. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? A much better actor than I ever gave him credit for. Oh, definitely. Yeah, he's not... Yeah, he... I'd love to see him challenge himself with a, a non-action-y role. Yeah, Be- yeah. But but he definitely I mean between this and a few of the uh, like the Mission Impossible like he's definitely he definitely has a little bit of range I don't know if he has a lot of range but he has a little bit of range. So should I throw you a coin? I'll, I'll take any coin you want to throw me. <laughs> well, I won't because you're not you're Jason Wood everybody. And remember, this episode as always has been sponsored by Discount Comic Book Service DCBService.com. The specials are three. Among others, uh, write these down from IDW Godzilla vs. Power Rangers, number one, Freddie Williams in the house, written by Cullen Bunn. You're going to get it for $1.99. That's 50% off the cover price. From Image, it's ZVRC. That's an acronym for Zombies vs. Robots Classic. The great Ashley Wood and Chris Reel. Uh, cover price $4. Your price is $2. Again, 50% off. And the one you should really keep your eye on, at least as far as I'm concerned, from Seven Seas, it's the Witches Complete Collection Omnibus by Daisuke Igarashi. It is, uh, there's a pretty hefty page count on this. So the cover price is 20 bucks. Not for you. Uh, you're going to get it for 30% off that. That's $13.99. And you order at Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. There you go. Nice. Pip pip. I have I have brews, my brothers. Yes. From Wicked Weed. Uh, (laughs) I like this brewing company a lot. This is I'm two fisting it instead of the trifecta of last week. This week I only have two, one in each hand. Um, well, two kinds of beer. I have more than two cans here. From uh, as I said, Wicked Weed, this is pernicious. And the better of the two, in my opinion, is Dr. Dank. So I have uh, 
three Dr. Nank and one Pernicious. And we're going to see what happens. Okay. Yeah. Maybe it'll make you persnickety. I never get persnickety. At least not to you never. fellas. Never. Yeah, it's true. Okay. I, I bite that fork tongue a lot. But mm. <laughs> He's like, mm, I don't know if that's a good thing. That's like being constipated. <laughs> <laughs> so what's up uh, on the Woody in front here? Uh, I've got myself a completely unsipped yet because I made it as I was walking up, right before I walked up here. Uh, a little uh, a little iced coffee. Great. Yeah, I got a little, little almond milk, a little Splenda, some uh, and some iced coffee. Dig it. What you got, yeah. Cap? I am enjoying a delicious whiskey smash. Ah. Which is a... Uh, which is, of course, a whiskey-based drink, but um, with uh, lemon and muddled mint. Hmm. So it's kind of, it's it's like a citrusy version of, of the mint julep. There you go. Speaking of Smash, did you see the uh, Jim Rugg Hulk thing in the Marvel's previews? I did see it in the Marvel's course, previews, yeah. 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 Um, I I know it's not the first instance of them straying, but why did they move away from the Pisker format? Like that was perfect. When, yeah, when uh, yeah, I don't know. That's I don't get it. Sholey's book was regular sized. If there were ever a book that should not have been regular sized, it was Sholey's Grand Design. Mm-hmm. And now, of course, the Hulk should be massive. It should be the same size as the the X Men Grand Design, but it's not. It's just, I, I don't understand it. Yes, they do print uh, editions of the same size later on when they're all collected, but I don't get it. Uh, maybe because of the length? Because Ed's was long, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I still think they should have uh, stuck to the format. I'm still surprised that the Hulk was his, like, his dream project. Oh, I'm not surprised. Really? Yeah, no. Well, Why? I think it's a perfect pairing for for Jim. Jim, uh, I'm not saying it's not a good idea. I'm just saying I'm surprised because he's he's positioned it at least as like his dream project is uh, for Marvel his dream project. Yeah, I I hesitate to think of another Marvel character that I would associate uh, at least in terms of Rugg's visual voice because he's a great designer. Um, I think first and he's he's a, a wonderful illustrator. He's got a, a beautiful line. But when I see Jim Rugg stuff, I always look at the the composition and the design first, and then mm-hmm. the the actual implementation of said. So I don't think of another. I can't think of another Marvel character that would would work as well with Jim. Maybe Thor, and, and but that's it. Like, what else is Rugg gonna uh, Iron Man? Like, I don't I don't see it. No, uh, but I, I mean, cap, since, we, just, since the first two we got were team books, so I thought he would do Avengers. Oh, yeah, that's a that's a lot for one man. But I mean, oh, Rug, yeah, well, I mean, his his compatriots did X Men and Fantastic Four, right? So yeah, but Pisker doesn't sleep, and and Sholey was a shoe in for the Fantastic Four. So I, I don't know, right. I don't know, whatever. Yeah. I mean, I'm interested. I'm I'm very interested to see how it's going to come out but in this instance i'm thinking i'm just going to ride this wave until the trade the collected edition comes out 
I mean, I've literally never read a rug comic of any kind or a zine that I haven't loved. So I sure he could have picked any character and I'd be happy. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. We have to remind the folks at home about a couple things, right? Uh, indeed. The first being that next episode. It's the big kahuna, the giant wave. Oof. Yeah. Uh, is, there... is it though? Y- yeah. Uh, the 19th. Yeah, but we were also discussing doing a bonus on Sunday. We could bank that. Oh, oh, yeah, the next regular episode. Next regular yes. episode yes. is yes. the uh, 11 o'clockers. So you get to hear what uh, the three of us and a whole bunch of uh, listeners voted on as their favorite stuff of 2021. It's going to be a hoot, and we'll have uh, a guest along with us. So look forward to that. And if you're an artistic type, you like to move color and, and marks around on, on paper, uh, the door is still open a little bit for you to get your foot in there and produce an 11 o'clock comics album art entry for 2021. So, uh, it, yeah, if you want to be doing that, uh, it'll be everywhere. That's a, I guess it's a plus, right? Uh, may, maybe if you don't want to be associated with us, you wouldn't do it in the first place. So uh, if, if you feel like um, stretching those artistic muscles and, and throwing down on a, on a square format album art image for our podcast, it, it doesn't have to be an inside joke or nudge, nudge, wink, wink. You could just get graphic if you wanted to and, and produce something that is visually appealing and somehow related to what we do just try it out and um yeah so you just have a little bit more time to get that done where we're, um there have been uh, a lot of good entries lovely stuff but um a bigger pool is is uh you don't have to yeah it's great bigger pools are always more fun right build a slide olympic size baby yeah action park so or there you go what how yeah. about the, yeah, like the Woodhouse. I love your pool. Thank you. I think there yeah, should be my a pool too. Yeah, well, you should see it. It's it. It just got redone. You should you have, to have you know when you see it next. What you should have is you should you should have a slide from one of the rooms of the house, and you go out a window and wee you can slide right down into the mm. pool. But something that's all covered. just on the insurance though. Ah, come on, my dude. I think I swing it. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's not about swinging. It's about you won't be able to get insurance and you need insurance. Always the realist. Right? Yeah. Party poop. Let's talk about some comics. Oh, is that what we're here to do? I think. It says that on the... Yeah, that's why we're here. Well, you, you accuse me of not being prepared. So I, I No, I did not. Show us how prepared you are, Bill. There well, you I'm go. Saying, I mean, he was like, oh, you prepared to know? You do, you that's not to know? a good imp- in, in, in impersonation of me because that's not how I said it. It's not? I said, my glorious man, you're ready. <laughs> I don't and recall. I, yeah. <laughs> my righteous gemstone. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I put him in the little plastic tumbler, and now he's all shiny and shit. I'm going to put him in oh, a ring. Snap. Yeah. So tell us what well, you got. I'm gonna I'm gonna start us off with something that's gonna warm your heart because you very recently hold on I can read it you very recently sent me some comic strips as you know yes Popeye, I did which yeah. which we talked about when you talked about and I I said that uh, it finally got here you had sent me a copy and I guess it got lost in the ether and then you sent me a uh, 
you got you got the Zon to to write their wrong and, and send another copy, which did make it here. And uh, awesome. and so I too have have savored the Fantagraphics EC Seeger Olive Oil Collected Edition. And um, by the way, I mean I know you probably already mentioned this in your review, but uh, you gotta love the packaging. You gotta Hell love yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean that 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 is. I mean the book inside could suck, and if you give me that packaging, I'm happy. Um, but I got a different strip for you tonight. One that I don't think you read because it just came out and it was a Kickstarter. And I don't recall anyone else but me talking about backing it. Wow. Um, yes. I'm curious. Now. And it. Yes. Hold on. Sorry, I got a lot of uh, logistics here tonight. Okay. See what yeah. you didn't see is the pretty French maid had to go all the way across the gymnasium floor to bring it back to him. Oh, 100%. So this is from Ablaze. Oh, this wasn't a Kickstarter. No, that's not because it's from Ablaze. Um, from Ablaze, Friday Foster, the Sunday Strips. Wow. When the hell did they Familiar. offer that? Um, well, I got it uh, a couple weeks back, so I'm going to go with three months ago. Wow. <laughs> um, $39.99 cover price. So I'm guessing, what did we get? 35% off for Ablaze stuff? So 30, 35, yeah. Yeah, so probably paid 27, 28 buckaroos for it. Um, I knew nothing about Friday Foster uh, until I saw the solicit, and it wasn't a large solicit, but I just caught my eye because uh, I, like many of you, we were just speaking about Jim, Jim Rugg. Many people that have listened for a long time know that uh, Aphrodisiac is uh, one of my all time favorite comics of any genre. And uh, if you're familiar with Aphrodisiac, you know that it is a uh, a love letter to uh, black exploitation. Um, and this this Friday Foster is uh, is of a similar vein. So, as it turns out, um, the Friday Foster was a comic strip that ran in the early '70s. Was uh, written by Jim Lawrence, and was drawn by Jordi Longaron, which is a uh, like long l-o-n-g-a-r-o-n um and it is at least as far as the uh the authors of this collection claim and that's i'm, I'm just putting that caveat out there because i i'm not a historian here on this stuff so but they claim that it is the uh it is the first um nationally syndicated comic strip that featured a uh, african-american lead um so who is friday foster well she was uh, originally a camera bunny, which apparently was a term back in the day, back when Vince was uh, hitting them clubs back in the 60s, uh, for a uh, a pretty lady who went around the club taking photos, like basically in-house paparazzi. It seems incredulous that you would have that these days. Um, kind of people go to clubs, uh, faint, rich people want to be private at clubs now, but... Uh, but back then, I guess it was uh, all part and parcel for the the vibe. Like you'd get photoed, you know, looking your best, and maybe show up in a Sunday paper or something. So she was a camera bunny, and then she becomes a physician's assistant, uh, not a, a, a photographer's assistant, and then uh, ultimately turns into a fashion model. But like uh, like many of these strips, what she does for a living is is tertiary to the to the idea that she is a beautiful, badass, highly capable woman who uh, partner, she has a partner, uh, and they basically go around the world and getting into hijinks and adventure that uh, one would think normally a person of her uh, of her um, employee wouldn't get into. But um, it ran for 
just under four years. And this book basically came about because um, the uh, there was a collector who just um, like basically started collecting strip art that he, that he could find, and uh, eventually um, made it his quest to collect all of the art. Like like you know, just was like I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can collect all the art, and uh, and, and did was able to, and then um, you know was like I don't think this has ever been collected anywhere, and shopped it around for a while, and finally got introduced to the to the uh, publishers at a blaze and they had a meeting or two and, and voila, this book came about. Um, it's really well done. It's a, um, it's a landscape hardcover. Uh, and it starts off with a history of the, uh, of James Lawrence, the writer who had a really fascinating career. I mean, I, not someone I was familiar with until reading about him, but, uh, the intro was written by his son. Um, and it just talks about his, his career. And he was basically a ghostwriter. Uh, he wrote tons and tons of uh, radio plays and then TV shows and stuff, and uh, he, you know, he touched just a lot of um, cultural touchstones, but but rarely as the uh, as the as the you know the titular creator. Um, so this was kind of his foray into trying to plant his his uh, his own his own stake and and have something under his name. And uh, Jordi Longaron was. Um, was uh, uh, actually still alive, I think. So is a French. Uh, cartoonist um, and uh, um, he's Spanish my apologies he's a French last name but he's Spanish and uh, yeah it just was was a kind of a work for hire guy and they hooked up and uh, and he drew all the strips um, beautiful beautiful uh, classic like definitely I mean if you look at the work I mean it's got a, a, a just the strips are like classic uh, you know I don't want to say how foster because that's everyone's gonna race and say how foster because when you think of but but certainly of that quality I mean just beautiful lines uh, everybody in the book are these are beautiful people you know it's the world of, of clubs and high fashion and adventure and spies and so uh, all the men are are chiseled with with you know strong cheekbones and and great hair and, and all the women are, are statuesque and and tall and well-dressed so it's it's a beautiful looking book um and uh yeah it was it was really really fun to read it the i mean there's there's not because it's a strip it's not like there's some kind of huge overarching plot basically for a couple strips in a row they'd be on some kind of grand adventure and then they'd move on but i will say that as the strip goes along Certainly, uh, Friday's character evolves in, in interesting and I think positive ways, um, and and I'm assuming part of it was just as, as the strip got more popular, they felt a little more uh, emboldened to um, make her more of a person and not like a like a visage. You know, at first she's a little bit not vapid, but she's almost more of like a vessel for. I mean, she's this beautiful vessel that kind of things happen to and around, and then by the end of the strip. Uh, and it's kind of sad that it got it ended when it did because it, I think it was hitting its stride. Uh, she's she's really the lead, and she's opinionated and strong and takes action. And so it was nice to see her evolve in that way over the three and a half years worth of strips, um, books in color. Uh, admittedly, I don't know if these strips are uh, were colored like for this collection, or if these were published in color because these were Sunday strips that I'm not sure of. Uh, maybe you know Vince. I don't know. Yeah, I would. Knows. I would almost guess if they were Sunday strips, they were in color. Yeah. Okay. So that makes. But unless sense, unless the color plates um, were also found, I'm leaning 
strongly into the recolored column. I do assume they were digitally recolored for this book. I just don't know if they were originally in color. Actually, you know what? They're, they're actual color guides. Some just color guides as reference published in, in the in the extras. Oh, nice. So yeah. Yeah, so there were colors. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, and, and one of the cool things about it is that the book is set in the late in the late 60s so the 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 aesthetic is gorgeous i mean you know just super like mod furniture and uh and it's it's set in the city so there's just you know beautiful buildings and tons of great architecture and um it's just a a visual treat i mean the book is just the book like i said of beautiful people uh doing uh exciting things um so i found it really fascinating especially because it's not a strip that i think has gotten a lot of publicity over the years and the fact that this uh, this person's passion led to them accumulating all of the work for this work, you know, for the publication is pretty pretty incredible. Because sure, it's not a super popular strip, so I don't think it's like trying to track down every page to say of like Kirby's Commandy or something, because um, lots of people want to have that. But but still, to be able to track it down and then a lot of it didn't get destroyed or lost is pretty impressive. Um, so yeah, I mean, and and some of you may know the name Friday Foster because it was actually then turned into. Um, um, a, a film um, with um, uh, a movie made in the, in the mid seventies was there was one film made of the same character and neat. Um, what's that? I said neat, but um, yeah. Speaking of Lawrence, I look at mm-hmm. the uh, visual representation of Friday Foster, and I, I see Gina Torres all over the place. It looks a lot like oh, G- Gina yeah. Torres. Yeah, I, I a young younger Gina, right. uh, but still. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that's true. And then Lawrence, um, after the strip got canceled, he uh, wrote a bunch of novels um, called uh, Dark Angel. And uh, it was basically Friday Foster, but he couldn't use the name. Uh, for, or either couldn't or didn't use the name. Maybe he couldn't because of rights. But um, it's basically just the same. It's it's the same exact character doing the same exact things. And, and it was a bunch of novels. There was uh, the Dream Girl Caper, all of them are capers. The Godmother Caper, Gilded Snatch Caper, that's an unfortunate name. Uh, Emerald Oil Caper, <laughs> um, these and really beautiful like like pulp covers, and they have all these. They have all the cover uh, uh, images in the back too. Um, so yeah, man, it was it, like I said, it was real fun. I, I'm a fan of 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 that era. I'm a fan of of black exploitation. There's some pretty interesting essays in here about black exploitation and why, in fact, it's not. Um, you know, it's not appropriation. You know, it's not like a, something that that we should look down upon now. Um, Pam Greer actually writes uh, a piece about that very thing in this book. Um, I should have mentioned Pam Greer played Friday Foster in the yeah. film. Yeah. So, uh, it, like I said, there's just it's great, and there's a ton of uh, interesting uh, newspaper articles from uh, like all over the Philadelphia Inquirer, New York Times, the Journal, back when the strip was hitting, and uh, it's really fascinating to read the the analysis of it because uh, some are like super racist, like like because you know because they're like oh you know the, there's a there's a you know the the Enquirer is publishing a, a comic now that's trying to uh, you know that's trying to appeal to the uh, to, you know to 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 the to the to the quote unquote uh, you know um, unrepresented black reader and you know it's like like because these were you know these are articles written by I'm sure like very white dudes at very white papers back in the early 70s right trying to react to this and um and and i so it was fascinating that they put all that kind of in there and then there are some reviews that were much more positive and much more uh progressive so i don't want to i don't want to convey that like everybody that uh that talked about this when it was happening was down on it but uh, i love that they showed the 
the breadth of reaction to it, which which I think is probably the very real 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 reaction to it that you got from you know from readers of of the Sunday paper, right? I'm sure some were like thrilled by it, and some were like, "What is this nonsense?" Um, so yeah, like all love, um, it's it's readily available. Like I said, I'm I'm, I'm sure you, I don't know if you can get it on in stock. Probably can because the blaze, but if not, it's definitely available uh, at places like Amazon and uh, Barnes and Noble and whatnot. And it's just beautiful. It's beautiful, and it's not um, because it's a strip. I don't. I mean, I don't tend when I get these collections of strips. I don't tend to read every strip linearly like I would a comic or a book. I kind of, uh, you know, flipped around and you know, skipped here or there, and and just checked out a, a strip or two from each of the of the arcs, if you will. Um, and, uh, and and I definitely feel like I got a pretty good sense of of what it was about and what was going on. And, uh, it definitely is something I would happily revisit too. So I just I've kind of, it was fun hopping around. Um, you know, but the, the visuals, like I said, are the, are the real tour de force here. And, uh, it's made me curious cause I'm, like I said, I'm pretty sure Longeron is still alive. So I'm curious what else he's been up to. Cause like I said, this, this lasted until I think 70, I think this ended, yeah, this ended in the beginning, like the early months of 74. So, which is the year my year I was born. So, if the dude's still alive, he's got another forty plus years of uh, of, of really nice drawing uh, under his belt. But I'm not familiar with the name, so I'm guessing he probably did most of his work of his career uh, in advertising or something like that. So, yeah. So it's called uh, Friday Foster: The Sunday Strips uh, by Jim Lawrence and uh, and Jordy Longeron, and uh, it's by a Blaze. You had me. In, in your loving embrace, you were cradling me like a baby, and then you got to the part where you didn't read all the strips, and I fell to the floor and hit my head. Like, what? <laughs> that is... Well, I don't know. Like, I mean, I, like, I'm just like that with strips. Like, when I, yeah. if, like, I have all those collections of, you know, the Calvin and Hobbes and the Bloom Count. Like, I mean, I, it's just fun to, to me to leaf through, and, I mean, strips are designed to be read individually, right? They're not, I mean, they're... The, in this case, there is some linearity to it, and there are some of the strips are ongoing over a few week period. But it's not like there's a long narrative where you have to start at the beginning and and write it to the end. So yeah, um, uh, it's kind of one of the things I like about them. See, I couldn't even do that if you held the gun to my head. Hmm. I got. I, I have to read them all. Yeah. Okay. That's all right. You bought it. You do what you want with it, right? Uh, yeah. It's 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 still there, ready for me to read more if I if I need to, need to. You know, it's it's funny. Not really, but uh, a lot of times we we converge in terms of um, concept. And you mentioned exploitation, and uh, in in regard to black exploitation, and what exactly constitutes exploitation. Uh, the editor of one of the things I'm going to talk about asked that very question within the pages of the thing that I read. What is exploitation? Um, well, according to uh, Brad Dwyer, everything's exploitation, and and I I I kind of agree with him. Uh, this thing that I read, it's a joy. Uh, it's from uh, Fluke Fluke Fanzine, and I will put the the link within the uh, show notes for this episode. Go to our website in case you don't know what it is. It's eleven o'clock comics dot com. A little zine called Municipal Threat, and I—I I don't know how controversial this will be, but um, my In Your Travels is going to bookend off this. So again, more concept for you. The cover—I love the cover, and it's by Ken Landgraf. Nice. Ken 
recently worked did a lot of work for the uh, All Time Comics crew. Uh, wonderful work. Um, this cover <laughs> uh, features Charles Bronson, and he's in a sewer, and he's battling alligators and horrible, mutated, nasty creatures. I, I, it's black and white. It's a beautiful wraparound cover. I'm guessing uh, Dwyer did a little uh, addition of a collage film strip um, just to make it fit better. There's the whole zine uh, embraces collage as well as comics, but it's more than that, and I'll get to it. So you got Charles Bronson f fighting in the sewer, um, and Le and Landgraf's signature on the drawing is loud and proud, and Bronson's face. It could be a swipe, odds are that it is, or it could be an homage. But the lines that constitute Bronson's face uh, are constructed in a way that very, very closely resembles Mort Drucker and his take on the actor. Um, again, if you go to our website in the gallery for this, you'll see this cover, and you'll see an example of the way uh, Mort Drucker drew Charles Bronson. <sighs> Well, like Wally Wood said, never draw what you can swipe, right? So maybe Ken is taking the great Mr. Wood's advice, whatever the case. The the way Landgraf draws Bronson's face is very, very close to, to Mort Drucker's. And more on this later. But anyway, so why do I say this is more than just a comics anthology? Because it is interspersed between the comics uh, and there are a lot of them. There are prose reviews of exploitation films. And like myself, I said, Brad Dwyer, his qualifications for determining whether or not a film falls within the classification of exploitation is pretty broad. So I gave him a big old bear hug from the inside front cover. And you have reviews of uh, Torso, Sergio Martino's Torso, The Children, Wes Craven's Swamp Thing, uh, Deadbeat at Dawn, and I interviewed Jim uh, way, way back in the day, and he is a scary individual. Uh, but the best, there's a piece on the Shaw Brothers' Super Inframan, which is, in my estimation, one of the greatest superhero movies ever damn made. Um, so let's move on to the comics. Lots of great comics in this thing. Dwyer himself lead, doesn't lead it off, but his is the the second strip, and it's called Lunar Terminator. <laughs> David has read a Brad Dwyer book. Remember that little get into comics zine with the 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 uh, person on the front sweating and gritting their teeth. Yep, Th that's Brad Dwyer. Yeah, he also does Ape Men of the Apocalypse, Kaiju Counterattack. The link is in the description. Uh, so, what's Lunar Terminator about? All right. You got a desperate man solicits this vigilante to help find his missing daughter. Simple setup. So the this this uh, vigilante, the trail leads to um, a building with a skylight, and he's looking into the skylight, and there's a dark ritual taking place. The the usual setup: robed acolytes. There's a talking fanged skull 
in a uh, brazier. There's a naked virgin on an altar awaiting sacrifice. There's always a naked virgin. A virgin, and and the skull orders his high priest to to bathe him in the blood of the virgin, right? So he can return to his rightful form and plague the, the land of the living. And so the the lunar terminator crashes through the skylight, right? He's got his gun drawn, and he's shooting and. and Blood is spilled. Blood's flying all over the place. Heads are blown off. But Termi takes a battle axe to the chest. Oh, he gets a, an axe embedded right in the middle of his chest. And he, and he laughs. Because the moon is full. And Termi is a werewolf. And he transforms and grabs the battle axe. A werewolf with a battle axe. And he starts just chopping people apart. And blood's flying all over the place, right? He, flee- he frees the virgin, cuts her out of the chains, but the damage is already done because all that blood flying around has landed on the skull and the skull transforms into its, its, its rightful form and Dracula lives. It's friggin' Dracula. So Dracula and this lunar terminator, this werewolf, they, they fight, right? And it's, it's the classic setup, Dracula versus the werewolf, right? So uh, the, the virgin grabs a, uh, a dagger and she plunges it into Dracula's neck and she screams, haven't you heard? Bella Lugosi's dead. <laughs> so Dracula starts to <laughs> to wither. He starts to, to melt. And it's an homage to Jack Kirby in this full page stra- uh, splash. He starts to wither because the, the blood was tainted by evil. So Dracula dies, right? But it's not the end. The the last two panels of this strip will have you laughing like an asshole. I take I'm I don't want to tell you what it is because it is really funny and I'm not one to spoil um, a man's well set up joke. So, uh, but like I said, there's a Kirby homage, there's a Dave Gibbons homage. This strip alone is is worth the price of admission all by itself, and the uh, price of admission is only five bucks for a seventy two page black and white digest size anthology five dollars right there's another strip in here called all torso comics by zach empire you ever hear of this guy he's wonderful um it's base it is about a fitness fanatic slash wrestler but his face is in his torso he's he has no head so where his his neck would be and on his shoulders, that's where his hair is, and his face is right in the middle of his of his chest. So it's 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 farcical, it's ludicrous, it's uh, ridiculous. And he goes to uh, his favorite gym, and the place is in a shambles. And he's asking around, he's like, "What happened to this?" And these these kids on the street tell him, "Yeah, Johnny Chains happened to that." And it's it's this miscreant vandalized Torso's favorite gym. So Torso. I'm going to call him that because there's not a name given to him. This guy's brimming with positivity. He's, he's, he goes and he gets this, he fights this, this Johnny Chains uh, dude, uh, and there's fuck thrown around, and there's blood, and there's obscenities, and the torso stays positive throughout the whole thing. You need to have a better catchphrase. And he's, he's punching people. It is ridiculous. Um, it's very much... In the from the the Hanselman approach, you know, very simple, uh, clean line, 
really neat designs. Um, lots of panels. Uh, I thought it was wonderful, but there's a whole lot more in here. I'm not going to get into it all uh, or any more for that fact because I want you to go buy it. It's only five bucks. There are gorgeous collage uh, pages by Dwyer. There's a crossword puzzle. Ooh. Yeah. There is, um, like I said, the prose uh, reviews to which Dwyer and other people provide full-page illustrations. It's a great little zine. Five dollars. So go to this uh, the show notes for this episode, click on it, and you will be able to buy it too. Um, not for all ages, though. It's, it's a mature little thing, uh, and rightly so, because it's exploitation. Uh, but it is wonderful. There's no number on it, so I'm guessing it's either a one-shot to see to test the waters to see how it does, or uh, maybe it is uh, the first in a series and they just didn't think to number it. I don't know. But the back cover says, Make Comics and Destroy. It's a little circular motif with a fist clutching a pen and a brush. Speaking my language, motherfuckers, get this. Municipal Threat, it's so good. But when I get to the In Your Travels, I have another thing that catapults off of this. So there you go. Get Bringing it all back right. home. Nice. Dig it. Who doesn't love a freaking werewolf fighting Dracula? Seriously. It's, you, you, should be po- you should be powerless against that. And uh, Dwyer's illustration style is great. It's, it's rough and rad. Everything it should be in a strip featuring uh, a vigilante that transforms into a werewolf. And there's lots of, there's lots of titties in it. I don't know if, I don't know if that's a selling point for you, but it is. I don't want to get a misogynistic tag again, but women are beautiful and there are many of them in this book. Love it. Yeah. Biggie facts. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I, so I've, I finished reading, a uh, a five issue miniseries, and it's weird because I've had the fifth issue in my possession for at least a week, but it's on everybody's top five for New Comic Book Day today. Um, so I'm not going to spoil May's book, but it was just it was weird that I finished something that actually I guess was supposed to be released today, and 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 the guys at the Rift are really I, I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was a diamond mix-up. I don't know, but because they don't let anything. I mean, even on Tuesdays when I mean they, they're like, no, everybody gets books on Wednesday. So if DC wants to do their Tuesday thing, that's great. But so I'm saying this. I'm not. I'm not saying I got it early or anybody broke street date. But it, it's weird that I I had it and I read it and everybody that was reading it has been reading the series is 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 getting the last issue today, but. Um, May's book is Jeff Lemire from Dark Horse, five issue miniseries. The hardcover solicited in this month's in the January previews. Um, so I would definitely recommend it because I believe there's some uh, pinups and uh, the gallery with artists that uh, Jeff has worked with in the past. Uh, that is bonus content. For the collection so if, if you weren't getting the singles then by all means go ahead and get that because you get the uh the extras but this was um this wasn't necessarily a 
super happy, cheerful story. Um, it's it's a bit of um, it can tug at the heart a bit. Uh, there's a uh, there's a gentleman. His name is Will, um, and just his appearance alone. Uh, he's he's given up um, on vanity or basically just taking care of himself. He's uh, he goes to work, does his job. He goes home, sleeps, gets up in the morning, takes takes the train, goes to work. He basically he's a uh, he's a building inspector, um, and you know he just he goes through the motions, and and we find out. He's kind of like the way he is because he and his ex-wife, um, they lost their daughter about 10 years ago, um, due to a, uh, due to an illness. And, um, he, uh, he gets a phone call one night, early one morning, uh, like about three in the morning. And it sounds the person on the other end saying hello sounds an awful lot like Wendy, his daughter. And now it's weirding him out. And it happens again the next night. And, and she's, she's he, he's not sure what the hell's going on. So he, he, uh, he, he goes to his ex-wife's house. That's a whole big thing. Um, he goes upstairs to the attic because Wendy loved mazes. She loved solving mazes. That's all. I mean, that's just her eyes lit up and, and, and she, she took a pen hard, not erasable pen because she was just fearless with these. She would just start it and just finish it. No mistakes. I mean, she was just, she was a prodigy when it came to mazes. So, um, there's a maze that she was working on before she died. And, uh, so he's, he's working on that one kind of picking up where she left off and, uh, and, and he's, he's takes the map, takes the maze and he puts it over the map of the city and things start to line up a little bit. So he, 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 now he's a man on a mission and, um, things don't necessarily go the way he expects. Um, and he gets frustrated and, uh, in that frustration, he realizes he, he forgets, He's to his apartment, so he's sitting outside his door, and he's about to call the landlord, but his neighbor comes over, and, and she sees him. She's got a bag of groceries, and uh, so they just start talking, and she invites him in, and they have dinner. Um, they just chit-chat about things, and uh, he ends up falling asleep on her couch, and she leaves a nice note in the morning, and, and he goes to work, and actually, he doesn't. He, he's just, at, at this point, he's just, he's he's not real sure about he, he, he's got a purpose in life and he needs to see this through and 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 if there's any chance that uh there's any connection he has that that, that, that there's anything that, that that can bring his daughter back to him um physically or not then 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 that's that's what he's that's what he's that's his new purpose that that that's this is what he's about right now um and what what jeff does in the book is it's the the color palette is is a bit muted when we're in the real world when we're going through will's day to day uh but there are moments where we do get some full watercolor um full color pages um and so it, it's 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 
I don't want to say it's sparse. It's not a really text-heavy book, but Jeff plays around with the page layout and the mazes, and 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 there's there's one I think it's the third or fourth issue where he's having a conversation, where Will's having a conversation, and and the panels don't. You just you got to be careful because there's a slight um, there's a bit like a maze from one panel to the next, so you're not reading it like you would traditionally. Uh, left to right and then down the next row so it's it's you got to follow the the little gaps in, in between the gutters but um no it, it i thought it was really really well done i didn't i just listen it's it's jeff i i, I get the black hammer so anything with jeff's name on it that I, I i pretty much get anyway and um i've i've i'm way behind on the black hammer stuff i buy all the books the, the anthologies the minis everything they do but i'm i'm way 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 behind on on reading about that universe so uh i do like when jeff sits down does something solo style and and i know that i can just kind of enjoy that that chunk of work from him and um and that's exactly what i did here uh the the presentation on the five issues it's um it's a little bit of a thicker book because they were 5.99 cover um so you got the cardstock covers, you got the glossy papers, um, but yeah, I mean the 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 art's fantastic as it always is. But it it's it, but it it's not it's a little bit rougher and looser than, than like his sweet tooth stuff because of the world we're in and 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 what um, and the point Jeff is trying to uh, to make with, with with these characters and what's going on in their lives, but. Um, Maze book was it's I'm going to say it was great, but it's not it's not like oh it's great like I can't wait for everybody to sit down and read this because you kind of just it's it's going to probably it, if you're a parent it might affect you if 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 um I mean it it deals with loss and and we've all dealt with that at some some point um but it it's uh it's it's a bit of a short story because it all takes place with the five issues it's not like we're, we're not talking about days weeks months of of spanning across these five issues it's it it happens relatively quickly um from start to finish but um i i just i didn't know what to expect going in and and you kind of the first issue is pretty much a setup because uh, we're being introduced to will and and then we we, we pick up other pieces um of his life as the uh, as the series continues but um will goes on a hell of a ride and and uh there's i i think uh i'll leave it to the reader to uh to find out um if you find solace uh i know because i i, I read it but i'm not trying to i i don't want to um put the cat out of the bag as, as far as that goes but i just i was really um i don't want to say i was gonna say i was really impressed with it like you know like like like, like just a young gun but i mean it, it's 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 one of those things where i just i this this is the kind of book that makes me glad jeff is making comics because i can um i can just sit down and and immerse myself here and 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 when it's done it's done. I don't have to worry about what's coming next or what this else, what, what this may tie into. This is, this is what it is. And, um, and I'm, I'm really, really glad I read it. So, um, 
I definitely, if you were missing out on the singles, I would definitely recommend the, um, the hardcover. It's good to know that Jeff's got a future. I think he does, man. I think, yeah, yeah. he's, I, I can see, I can see him going places. He'll stick around, I think. People seem to like him. Sleek. Yeah. People and congrats to, like to him on his new image exclusive. Yes. When did that happen? A couple weeks ago. Yeah. How about that? I didn't even see Probably that. Sure has has no small part to do with the Dark Horse acquisition of, to the gaming company. Yes, right. Yeah, the timing's <laughs> right since since Black yeah. Hammer's wrapping up. So yeah, yeah. just it did make sense, and he's he's doing really really well there. So. He always seems to make the right moves. <laughs> yeah, for sure. He's uh. What's interesting is when we had him on last time, we were talking a lot about how he was trying everything. Right, he had the comicsology comic, he had the um, he had the, the the Dark Horse, the image, he had a um. Uh, he was he was doing the uh, the the cosmic book with Kent and uh, um, uh, at uh, you know the Kickstarter. Um, so like, and he was just talking about how he was you know trying all these different mediums out, and uh, and obviously then he also has the Substack. So he announced when he announced the image thing, it, it's interesting. Like it seems like he's he's tried all these different outlets and has decided. That uh, image is the place to be, which which is interesting only because I think a lot of us for a long time been like, why why doesn't he just do everything in image? Because <laughs> you know you get to keep you know it's such a simple business model. You get to you own everything and you know you keep and if if it does well, you you get most of the profit and that sort of thing. But uh, I think he was very loyal to Dark Horse because they treated him well earlier in his career, you know, and and I commend him for that for sticking with them for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. so. Yeah, and he he did say, and he said very clearly, and we announced the image deal that um, the the comic series putting out on Substack will will continue, and and also there's probably another year's worth of Black Hammer to come out, and, and that's obviously grandfathered in as well at Dark Horse. So, uh, yeah, it sounds like he's doing like a like like the Brubaker type of deal where, you know, it's going to be his own like, I don't know if it's going to be an official imprint, but it's just going to be him doing his own stuff, and you know, over on the side. Good for Jeff. I think yeah. Image is a great home, great fit, and yep, uh, for sure. there, I don't think there's a, another publisher I would pair as closely, other than Dark Horse, yeah, yeah. with, with Lemire. So yeah, do it. Give us more stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We had a, uh, well, I almost had a very disastrous um, occurrence on this end. My damn beer. I, I popped the top, Ooh. and it just went all over the place, like real, cl- re- very close to the MacBook. So I was like, oh, I ran, and I got a, a something to sop it up, and that's where I was for a little bit while that was going mm. on. But, yeah, I, I haven't read um, Mace book yet, obviously. So I'm going to just wait till it's all in, in collected and then give it a goo. Mm-hmm. Nice. Boys, can I tell you that this new uh, keeping a log of what, what what I read is, is, is starting off – wonderfully i'm really loving it and <laughs> i'm stunned it, that it, yeah i know and it's got me it's got me reading more i have read almost 200 comics this year already no stop 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 yeah. it's too much mm-hmm. it's too much yep. i've been <sighs> hopping on the bike doing like 90 to like a 90 minute or two hour ride and it's reading comics man <laughs> my head's gonna explode don't <laughs> don't, don't tell me <laughs> I mean, you do you. Far be it from me to tell you how to conduct yourself, but I cannot inject myself into that equation. <laughs> it, no. It's like I have to uh, 
prepare the room. <laughs> like, like Jane's Addiction. I have to light all the candles. No, it, it's, it's fucked up. I'm sorry. Put the Calgon in? Yeah. Well, I've been on a bit of a Spider-Man kick lately. Not be, So, obviously, Dap and I and the rest of the world loved the new Spider-Man film. Um, we were also, obviously, huge fans of the Miles Morales animated film, which we have a sequel coming. I think... Is it is it is it is it this year or is no? It I think year? it's twenty three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know it's pretty much close to done, if not done. But yeah, maybe it's twenty three. They're going to release it either way. Um, but uh, you also you both know that I I I I don't often give myself the time to play video games. But once or twice a year, um, usually around Christmas, I'll get a game like whatever game or two seem to have gotten like best of and and fits into the kind of game that I would like, and, and I'll get that, and then. Um, and play it, and so this year that game was the second Spider-Man game, which is a Miles Morales uh, themed game. It's the uh, same engine as the Spider-Man game from a few years back, which I thought was one of the best games ever. Um, only this time it's centered instead around Pete, it's centered around uh, around around Miles. So I played that. And, and what's uh, it called? It's, it's called Spider Miles Morales Spider-Man. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, love love the game. I think it's really fun. And so it just got me jonesing to. Uh, to read some Miles Morales comics. And it's interesting because I have bought every issue of the uh, current comic uh, by Ahmed, um, but I'm woefully behind on it. And I felt like, oh, I've read a lot of, of Miles Morales comics because I realized that a, but a lot of the comics, really almost all of the stuff I've read of his have been uh, team stuff, mostly like the champion, like Avengers and then champions. Cause he's been a member oh, of the teams. Um, I don't, um, no, the, uh, Across the Spider Verse Part One comes out this year. Um, oh, it's a two part movie. It's a two part movie. Oh, neat. And, okay. And and I know, I, I I figured it was this year because there were um, I was watching some TikToks where people were actually thinking about they they actually stopped to think about whether or not they're going to see Across the Spider Verse Part One or um, League of Super Pets. Because they're mm-hmm. opening around the same time, and it's like, mm-hmm. dude, really? Like, oh, I even bothering that? But yes, it, it's 2022 for the first part. Nice. Well, that's great. But in in reading, in seeing the, into the Spider Verse, and then in playing this video game, I've now seen renditions of Miles's early days and origin story twice. And then I'm like, you know, I, I for all the for all of I like I think of I like the character and, and the comics I've had of his. I don't think I've ever read his his original issues like this you know the, from the ultimate verse because i just wasn't i just wasn't a regular reader of ultimate comics i, I just uh, i read a, a, a decent chunk of bendis's original ultimate spider-man the peter peter parker of the ultimate um back when the ultimate was happening and i you know read the ultimates and 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 ultimate x-men and i honestly just lost interest in 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 pretty much the whole universe and, and didn't pay it any mind for years and, until cataclysm which ended the universe um, and then Miles, of course, was was brought in slash retconned out of the Ultimate Universe in, at, after Cataclysm into our universe and is now part of the, of the main Marvel Universe. But um, so anyway, so I went back uh, thanks to Marvel Unlimited and I read every single Bendis Miles comic. Um, so I started with uh, with Ultimate Comics Spider Man. Um, which was, it ran for, it was 29 issues if you include, um, you know, the his first appearance issue, which isn't in, in the collections. 
then the three Cataclysm Ultimate Spider-Man issues, which is his end, obviously, of, of his time in the Ultimate Universe. And then the first, the titular Spider-Man book, which launched in 2016, and uh, it went from issues 1 through 21, and then um, you know, for some Marvel centric reason, they changed it back to the original Spider-Man yeah, numbering. So number, yeah. Went to two, from went from issues one through twenty-one, and then jumped to issue two thirty-four, and ended on issue two forty. But it was twenty-eight issues all in all. So, all in all, I read about sixty issues of Bendis Miles Morales comic, um, and I got to tell you, man, it's, it was freaking great. Like he's a great character, and you know, I definitely. I've always considered myself a Bendis fan, but nowhere near on the level of, of DAP. And I certainly feel like it's been a long time since I loved anything Bendis did. Again, I'm not saying I dislike the stuff he's done in recent years, but it just not, it hasn't grabbed me in the way that, that his earlier stuff did. And I got to say, like, reading this, I'm like, man, I, I, I don't know how I missed all this because it, it was great. I really think, like, this character is... Just you can feel the love from Bendis. I mean, obviously he created the character, but you, you just, I, I just think he did such an amazing job, and I think it's such a. It, there's so much about the book that's just well done and timely. I mean, in terms of, obviously he's a person of color, and and I love the way that Bendis deals with it in very subtle ways. Like he, there's a point where, uh, there's the there's this uh, supporting character named Danica, and she's a. a like a YouTuber, you know, like a blogger, a YouTuber. And she covers Miles. She covers Spider-Man. And um, during the course of one of the arcs, she discovers that he's a person of color. And she's, uh, and Danica herself is, she's she's Asian. And she's so, she's super stoked. You know, she's like, this is awesome. You know, like, wow, this is so great. I mean, Spider-Man's a person of color. And Miles is like feeling some kind of way. And he's hanging out with Genki. And of course, so also for people that don't know, a lot of the stuff that you see in the, uh, in the new Tom Highland films, even though Tom Highland is Peter Parker, a lot of the supporting elements of that, of those movies are really from miles comics from Bendis and miles comics, including Genki. And, um, he's like, he's just telling Genki like, I, dude, I'm feeling some kind of way. Like I, I don't want to be black Spider-Man, you know, I'm, I'm Spider-Man. Like, I don't want to be, you know, I don't, I don't, want the skin color to have anything to do with me what i do is with this costume on so like little things like that and you know and and uh another thing and i know that back when this is coming out people gave him props for this but i love that uh miles has got you know a mom and a dad and like it's a loving happy marriage you know um like he doesn't fall into the cliche of like miles being a you know from a single family home just like stuff like that i think ben has gave a lot of thought and attention to which i really appreciate but all in all, man, it's just great superhero comics, and it's a lot of the things I think that those that loved Peter Parker, or at least, or, or loved, but loved back when we were first reading comics, liked about him, and, and that he's a genuinely great kid that you root for. He's he's dealing with adolescence and love and school and stresses about his family and his identity and his torn sense of duty. He's got a great supporting cast of characters. I mean, Genki's a great character, but even like uh when when uh when miles comes to the main marvel universe uh and he's attending school he the other main supporting buddy is gold balls <laughs> the you know the 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 chubby x-men who now has since since gone on to become super important because he's one of the he's one of the main uh mutants that, that helps yeah, the resur- he's part of the resurrection crew that 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 bring mutants to life but um 
but at this point he he was you know he was just gold balls and <laughs> and uh and but he becomes his buddy and uh and, and I, yeah i just thought every arc was great um with like a few exceptions there's Anytime you have a comic that goes sixty comics that goes sixty issues and span six years, you're going to have the obligatory tie-ins to events, and those are usually the weakest issues. Like there was a six-issue arc um, that ties into Civil War II, which, in my opinion, is one of the worst events that Marvel's done in the last decade, just on its own. So, so that was a bit of a drag. Um, but I will say, to its credit, the the Civil War II issues, while were less engaging to me than like just the miles arcs uh i thought most of the issues were really good issues um that still spent a lot of time on the miles stuff whereas a lot of these comics including the zadarsky daredevil run which i read last earlier a uh, week or two ago um when that got pulled into an event you know basically like paused what was happening in the comic the event happened and then after the event was over it's like we hit the unpause button we're back to where we were and I get why a writer would do that. I'm not saying they're even like I. T- if I probably do the same thing if I was in their shoes. But what I appreciated about Bendis, and maybe it's just because of his experience, or maybe because he was so high up on the totem pole, when Miles was pulled into Civil War II, it wasn't at the expense of the ongoing narrative. So it just was intertwined with it, and that I think makes all the difference for me. Like if you're reading a big chunk of a superhero comic the easiest way to get derailed for me is to get pulled into an event, you know? And so I think that he did it in a way that it didn't ruin it. Um, so yeah, it's just a huge fan, man. And like, what's interesting is because of the fact that it started in the ultimate universe and then jumps, like some weird stuff happens. And I guess this is spoilers, but we're talking about spoilers for like a decade old comic. <laughs> um, so, you know, the Ultimate Universe had existed for what I don't know, eight, ten years, maybe I guess, give or take, maybe longer, but but about that, right? Um, and it just had run its course. It it just had stopped selling, and it had gotten kind of away from what it was. It was intended to be this this fresh set of stories featuring iconic characters, and not wasn't supposed to be beholden to any kind of uh, history. You know, so people could just jump in, but obviously if you're telling those kinds of stories for a decade, you're going to end up starting getting history of its own, and they decided just to abolish the whole universe. So you had this cataclysm event where uh, Galactus came and basically destroyed the universe. (laughs) Um, But, like, because of that, like, stuff that happened in the ultimate run with Bendis, which were, like, big moments get reversed. Like, for example... um, and some of this may sound a bit familiar if you've seen the film, because certainly, again, like the the animated film took a lot from this. Um, in the animated film, his 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 dad dies, right? But in this, it's not his dad; his mom dies, but like in a similar way. And Miles is, is she's trying to help save someone. She's a medical worker. She's a medical worker, and she she gets shot um, while while Miles is right there. So of course he he blames himself. Um, but when he comes to the Marvel universe his mom and dad are both alive and like married and happy <laughs> and they don't really ever address it, you know, which, which I kind of liked them like, yeah, man, like it was a fresh restart anyway. So who cares? You know, and I, it's, it's better, I think to have them together and happy. And, um, so like little things like that were kind of, kind of, I don't say wonky, but just interesting that they, they, they kind of just basically hit the reset button completely. And you sometimes can understand it if a new writer takes over, but this is still Bendis. So like Bendis basically just like wiped the slate clean of a lot of the, uh, the sadder parts of Miles's journey in the Ultimate Universe and started anew, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, 
his uncle Aaron plays a big role in both arcs, both in the Ultimate Universe and in in the Marvel Universe. Um, you know, I'll, I'll leave it there because big stuff happens with him. But I, you know, I'm, again, I'm always I'm always weird about like should we worry about s- spoiling stuff that you know came out five ten years ago? But uh, but I'll leave it I'll leave it be because you can readily read this on on Marvel Comics and Unlimited if you if you have it. Um, but uh, yeah, and the the final arc is. Um, basically called uh, it's called Sinister Six Reborn and uh it it is as you can imagine it a, a new version of the Sinister Six. It's uh it's it's the Iron Spider, uh who's his uncle. It's uh, uncle Aaron is uh was the prowler and, and now he's the Iron Spider. Uh Electro, the female version, uh Bombshell, Sandman, Hobgoblin and Spot. And uh Ben just loves Spot man. Um but uh, they they basically are trying to steal a helicarrier, and it's just a fun heist comic. And uh, everybody's got their own motivations. Like the Sandman's kind of bad; he's kind of good. Um, Bombshell's daughter, who's also named Bombshell, is one of uh, Miles' crew, and she's got a crush on him, so she gets involved. A uh, lot of you know back and forth. The champions show up. Lucia von Barda and, and uh, shows up. Like they're just uh, just action jam packed, and it leads, of course, to the final issue of the series, which was also the final Bendis issue. And it wasn't just the final Bendis issue for miles. It was Bendis's final Spider-Man issue. And his piece at the end of the issue is great because, you know, we talk a lot about like long runs, but Bendis wrote Spider-Man and that includes Peter ultimate Peter and miles. He wrote Spider-Man comics for 18 years at Marvel over 300 issues of Spider-Man dude wrote like, that is insane. Like, that is an incredible amount to write one character, right? Like, there are few creators living or dead that can say that they did that, right? I realize it's two characters, but you get my point. Like, to write yeah. the, the idea of, 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 of Spider-Man, the titular hero, like, that is incredible. Like, that is that is quite a feat, and I don't think we give Bendis the credit he deserved for that, like, now in retrospect, because he's done so much other stuff and moved on. But, but that is impressive. Um, and I got to tell you, like, Almost every issue in and of itself was great, and they had great artists in almost the whole run. Sarah Pacelli is the co-creator. She does, uh, I'd say, about half the issues. Uh, David Marquez is probably the guy who does, the artist who does the second most issues. He was very heavily involved in the ultimate side of things. Um, And then uh, Nico Leone does uh, the Civil War 2 run. Uh, which I'm really glad for because, like I said, sometimes these events, books can be a drag, but Nico Leone's art was terrific, so that helped also um, Spoonful of Sugar, helps the medicine go down. Pacelli comes back, uh, and then the final uh, the final two arcs are drawn by uh, Oscar Basaldua, who also does do the champions, and so he's really familiar with those characters. Um, the fill-ins, the only one that got a side-eye was there was one issue by Simon Kudransky, <sighs> which was a really odd fit considering all the other artists that had done it. Yeah. But it was a really good issue story-wise, though. So I'm like, okay. Yeah. Like, you're he, must have, he must have pulled Bendis out of a flaming car or something. I know, yeah. I know. It's like a prostate then, exam. It, it's yeah, it's, it's yeah. good for you, ultimately, but man, not pleasant. I know. I know. And then the other interesting thing is, and I had forgotten this, Back in the original, in the Ultimate Comics Spider-Man run, um, like I said, Pacelli starts it. And then when she needs a fill-in, the first fill-in for two issues is none other than Somni. And then the next fill-in is by uh, Young Buck at the time, who I don't remember even knowing the name of any, having any import back then. 
Mr. Pepe Larraz. So it's got to be one of his early Marvel works. It's got to be because because I didn't remember his name back then. Um, but yeah, man, just strong art, really really great character and and wonderful supporting characters. Ganky's terrific. Uh, Bombshell's terrific. I I think that uh, his mom and dad are great. Like um, in the movie, you know, his dad is a in the animated film, his dad is a cop. Uh, in, in in both in the ultimate version, he's he's not he's he's a uh, um, he's actually an ex con, um, and then uh, and and then in the in the Marvel six one six, his dad is uh, a former Shield agent, which is kind of interesting, um, and that plays a role in, in in kind of ongoing in the book, um, and he just has like like they just do Bendis because. I mean, it's the thing. Bendis has certain characters that he knows really well or has written before. So, like, there's one of my favorite moments is, and it's not particularly important to the to the plot of of, of the arc, but uh, but Miles is like kind of having trouble keeping his identity secret because uh, he's new at it, and like Ganky's got a big mouth. Like Ganky tells Gold Balls, and like <laughs> just like like straight out just tells him because he's so excited and he's trying to impress Gold Balls, and like and and you know like miles like why do you care that gold balls is here why do you want to be his friend he's like dude it's because he's 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 my he's he's my full-size brother he's like it's hard out here for us full-size guys like it's nice to have a a hero that's chubby like me you know it's like it's funny and then and then like but but he tells gold balls and like the point is is miles is like his identity it's pretty pretty loose and um at one point miles's grandmom because she's mad at him because his grades are slipping, hires a private investigator to, to figure out what's going on and hires Jessica Jones. And so, of course, Jessica, being a very good private investigator, quickly figures out that Miles is Spider-Man. And the cool part is is one of my favorite scenes from all of the 60 issues is that uh, Luke Cage and Jessica, who, of course, Bendis wrote, what, 100, probably 100 plus issues of, uh, more than that, actually, probably 150, uh, they, they show up at a school and grab him and, like, give him a talking to. And, like, they're just like, listen, bruh, you suck at keeping your identity secret. Like it took Jessica's like, it took me like two hours to figure out who you are. And like, you know, if I can do that, then the, the villains are going to be all up in, you know, all up on you You have to be better. And uh, they just give a talking to, which I thought was great. You know, I just was like, Oh, that's hilarious. You know, so just like little, there were these little character pop moments. And, um, we meet like the, it's weird because clearly you can tell that, uh, the ultimate universe was canceled. Like the people that were writing these books weren't aware or at least fully aware that the book that they were just going to cancel the whole line because there's a whole thing being set up by Bendis in the Ultimate Universe where it's like a new young team. It's got we intro, we're introduced to Cloak and Dagger. Uh, we're introduced, like I said, to Bombshell, and all of them have in common is they all got their powers in different ways from Roxxon, which is how Miles got his powers too. And uh, they're clearly setting up like this new team of like champions, young Avengers, and then that just abruptly ends with Cataclysm, right? And and we never see that Cloak and Dagger again. Because they're killed off in the ultimate verse, and they're different than the, but but like but while they were there, they were really interesting characters, and they and, and and they had great rapport with with Miles, and then they're somewhat con- subsumed and replaced in the Marvel universe by the champions, right? Most notably, uh, Nova and uh, and Miss Marvel, who are like they're you know they're all in the Avengers together in the Wade Run, and so they're 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 pretty co- I mean they're pretty quickly established as three really close friends, and they stay that way, but. Yeah, I just have a lot of love for the whole thing, man. Like I said, I mean, it, it takes a lot for me to read 60 issues of any superhero comic, much less read it all in like a couple days. And I just, I couldn't, I had no interest in stopping. It was just a powerhouse through the whole thing. And while not every issue was was a home run, uh, collectively, they were absolutely a home run. And uh, and I think a real treat. And 
if all superhero comics were like this, I would be a lot less jaded about superhero comics these days. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, like you know, I mean, you can get these in a million ways. Um, you know, I'm trades I think the, are uh, the 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 small form factor uh, graphic novel trades that they put out. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, if you have an iPad like we have, I mean, the the Marvel Limit is perfect for this. I mean, that's uh, when I was on the bike, I was just powering through these. And they're and reprinting that. the uh, the old omnibus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. The in, in in previews this month are uh, are are two the the two omnibus. Um, they re, they renamed them. That's why I was confused. I actually was talking about that. I they they uh, they are identical to the to the like they are the same om, two omnibus, um, but are uh, just they they renamed them, which is a little weird. I almost I almost double dipped, as it turns out. But uh, yeah, so huge thumbs up for all the Miles Morales comics by Bendis, man. And uh, and and got to give Bendis some love because it's been a while since I've given him love. I know Dap's given him love pretty much every other week for years, but but uh, it's been a while since I've given him love. So there you go. Nice. Sixty issues, Vince. Enjoy your cake. Yep. I don't know what that means. Enjoy what you love. Oh, uh, okay. Tastes good, feels good, enjoy it. Can't stop, won't stop. Right. That's right. What else you got, Well, Jason claims that I never read a fantasy book I didn't like. And. Well, I just say it's rare. Well, maybe you're right. <laughs> uh, I have another one for this week. It's a first issue. It's published by Behemoth. I think you should oh, keep myth. yeah keep eyes on these dudes. They seem to be publishing books that are well done, nice to look at, uh, well packaged. They 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 use a um, a higher grade, a, a, a weightier stock of paper. Nothing squelches my enjoyment of a book than uh, a self cover, a book that feels like it's the. Uh, television supplement to the Sunday paper, you know, just disposable. And, um, uh, for example, you know, I was into the Cullen Bunn's Lucky Devil at Dark Horse. The, I was going through my books, and the book feels like it, it's, it's weightless. There's, it has no presence at all. And uh, I like a book that commands attention, that makes you notice it, whether it's the the quality of the paper, the production values, the the, the uh, quality of the art. This book got my attention, and I, I didn't um, notice it in the previews, and that's on me. But um, I'm rectifying that mistake. It was written by Robert Sinicki and Jan Mazer, with art by Igor Volsky. And color art by Spell. It's called Night Jarek, number one. And it, the story is subtitled, Instructions for Making a Proper Offer to Forgotten Gods, chapter the first. So this this Night Jarek, I mean, he's just a big, burly teddy bear of a man. He's a milk drinker, you know? Um, has a strict and unwavering moral code. He's a knight. He, he, the kind of, of opponent that will give anyone they're fighting the chance to draw their weapons before he engages them. He's vigilant in his quest to protect the innocent. 
And um, he's a typical knight. He writes wrongs wherever he finds them, right? So he's got his own little oracle of sorts. He he receives his missions from this this one-eyed, grandmotherly magic user named Many Mother, and and she consults the fates to see what his next mission will be. And uh, I'm guessing it's somewhere within the the streets of this this place called Fancy Lake. And uh, Jarek is tooling around. And, uh-oh, the ears prick up. He hears uh, a cry for help. And it's this young woman named Lena. And she's being accosted by, by street toughs. She's got red hair, big old uh, round glasses. A, a young lady, right? He, so he intervenes and saves her. And she, she looks at him. She sees that he's a pretty capable dude. I mean, the guy's massive. Uh, when he smiles, his eyes compressed to slits like his his whole face smiles when he when he's when he expresses ha- happiness so um she, she sees what he can do and she's like hey uh you want to help me out with another matter and he's like sure but she talks too much she's she's laying it all out she has a uh uh spreadsheets and and <laughs> and now this is a fantasy based story so it's kind of absurd that she would have um uh, graphs and charts for what she wants to do, but it's 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 part of the joke, right? Uh, but she talks too much, and he's distracted, and chases another wrong to be righted, and she loses him. But Lena's a rebel, Dottie. You know, she she she, <laughs> she and her group they don't much like this nasty Prince Drakenwald of Fancy Lake. Guy's no good. And, and she wants him removed by any means. So it gets a little dark, right? It's, a, it's an all-ages book. But they don't... They say assassination. They actually spell it wrong. Um, it, but it, it, this is the assignment that she had for Jarek before he was distracted. Um, the problem with Prince Drakenwald is that um, there's rumblings of war, uh, resonating throughout the population. Uh, the, the citizenry believe that Drakenwald plans to attack Fancy Lake's neighbor, uh, the appropriately named Wealthy Town, and doing so would cast the entire continent into chaos. It's a bit like The Witcher, right? Uh, can't have it, you know? Uh, but Drakenwald has aspirations of his own. He's searching for something, buried within the ground. Um, and he's been doing it for six years. Not he, but his people. And, and they find it. It's this ancient artifact, this powerful statue, but the the statue requires a blood sacrifice, and it has to be innocent blood. So continuity going on all over the place here. Uh, and I wonder where he's going to find someone with that. Um but Lena and her posse, they managed to track down Jarek. But as the book comes to a close, he's in the process of battling a giant centipede with a baseball cap. Why the centipede has a baseball cap? I don't know. It's cute. Uh, this whole book is, is aesthetically charming. It, it's very much in the line of uh, Cavazzano and the guys that work on Wizards of Mickey. Um, not as um, 
it's not reduced to the, the a more cartoony style. I mean, it is cartoony, but it's more realistic. Very, very clean line, but everything is rendered. The buildings, the rubble, during the battles, like there's stuff everywhere, and it's all really beautifully drawn. But um, a, a centipede with a baseball cap, like why? I don't know. Who cares? Who cares why? And uh, the the battle goes on for a couple pages, and it's just really nicely done. Like, the action's big and bombastic, and this thing is knocking over buildings, and that's it's a cliffhanger. That's where it picks up next time. But I thought it was – the word I would use to d- describe this book is charming. It, it's not going to ruffle any feathers. There's, there's nothing um, politically incorrect with the book. It, it was designed for an audience – who likes fantasy books? It's in that that million, right? It's uh, there's magic users and knights and 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 uh, uh, old lady wizards. It's 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 wonderful, and it just came out of nowhere. Like I I didn't have it on my radar. Uh, that's on me. But uh, I I thought it was exactly the right little easy to swallow morsel that I was looking for. It's a very very cool book. Um, I don't know how long it's going to last. It's chapter the first, so I'm guessing at least three or four until they move on to another story. But it's it's cool. It's um, Knight Jarek, number one. It, 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 the, it doesn't say Knight Jarek on the cover. The cover's a little on the strange side. It says instructions for making proper offer to forgotten gods on the front. So whatever. By the way, isn't it isn't it Janik? J-A-N-E-K? Did I say Jarek? Yeah. Oh, no way. Mm-hmm. How yeah, did I get right. that wrong? I don't know. You get old. That's fucked up. Excited. With uh, no with way. Let me. Let me. Ryan me, Brown on the variant cover. It is Janik. I'm an asshole. But anyway, <laughs> I don't know about that. No, and and I was going to say Yannick because of Klaus because. You know, <laughs> um, it's ruined you. It it see the st- the the cover. I don't think does a service because uh there's a, a parchment and it says instructions for making a proper offering to forgotten gods a jim the knight adventure so if the book is called knight janic why isn't that on the front cover right isn't that strange i mean it's cool and it's it's in within the fantasy realm that it should be a piece of parchment ushering you into this book but yeah i'm not going back and replacing uh, Jarek with Janik. So you're just going to have to suck it up, people. Uh, yeah, I made a mistake. So there you go. It's neat. It's a very, very cool book. Why? Did you Google it while I was talking about it? Of course. What did you think of the art? Yeah, no, I mean, it's cool. It's, it's, um, like, it, it, it's, um, it's cute. Yeah, it's cute. It's, it's, it's like, it's art. It's art I would, I would think, like, I would associate if you didn't tell me who the publisher was, I think it was like a boom book. Yeah, yeah, right. or or a first second, like, like a better place book, like like that kind of that like of that ilk, you know. Yeah, I think it, it it's wonderful. There's a a, a section where uh, Drakenwald is is uh, consulting with uh, a bunch of pagans who have infiltrated the church, and it, it's it's really cute. But again, it, it's not gonna. There's nothing within this book that's gonna piss you off in any way. It's it's fairly innocuous and fairly. Uh, um, unruffling. So yeah, I thought it was wonderful. The centipede is great. This massive beast. It's cool. I, I, I got nothing but love for this book. 
even though I, I, I don't know the title character's name, obviously. So there you go. Pick it up. And in the back, there's uh, the pages on the creators, and you get process pages and, and a whole bunch of stuff. So it's well worth the investment. Really good. Love it. Yeah. Yeah, I keep checking out Behemoth section. I mean, because they've got the uh, the Santos book coming out, The My Knuckles Bleed. Um, they, uh, they've, they have a lot of covers, a lot of covers for their books, but um, everybody does these days. I know, I know. But instead of like giving you anything about the individual, about the particular issue you might be ordering, it's like, you know, Hey, this is coming out. And so are the seven other covers that go along with it. It's like, I just, I just want to know what I might be buying. I just, I'm not, I'm not buying 18 covers. I'm buying the interior. I, like yeah. a heads up for that but um no i i do um i've 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 checked out a couple of their things but um i'm telling you nobody's child is great you should look at really really investigate that book that is a wonderful uh again not a feel-good book like at least not so far like may's book it, it's not uh you know you're not gonna be be skipping and, and whistling when you're done reading it <laughs> but it's good it's very, very good. Yeah. Keep eyes on Behemoth. Yes. Yes, definitely do. Um, there is one... I, I feel like I should just wait until this wraps up in a couple of months, but um, there is one book that does kind of put me in a little bit of a of a feel-good spot, only because... Well, the art the art's absolutely fantastic. There's still that uh, bit of a early joel jones vibe um but a uh a thing called truth is half over um still written by um ayolanda zanfordino and uh, uh art by elisa romboli and um after the first issue which was just an introduction to um to our resident scientist um the uh the second issue gives us a little bit of um of insight on uh dorian the woman who um basically uh stole um doc's car uh dorian's brother had a journal and uh and dorian is basically um going to she's not going to read ahead the journal basically consists of movie scenes that he wanted to do and um and since uh since he um he died she said fuck it i'm taking the journal and i'm going to do what he wasn't able to do uh but first she needs a car and she just happens to be walking by the bar that um that uh our heroine from the first issue fell asleep in because she was drunk and um and keys are in the front seat and so she just is like it took the opportunity and heads out 
to uh, starts going around Europe to uh, live out. I don't want to say her brother's dream, but what he had planned to do, maybe his bucket list. Um, but basically, the the selling point for me in this book is is primarily the art, uh, but getting to know these two characters who um, there's it it doesn't I, I don't want to say I'm not comparing it to Midnight Run, but it's definitely a situation where these two people who definitely wouldn't um, associate with each other. They wouldn't be acquaintances in, in any other circumstance in the real world, um, but they're thrown into this. And, 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 and so since, uh, since we're just kind of, Doc is going with the flow and she's, there's no point in, in fighting this. She's, you know, she's got, she's got the, the divorce paper. She still has to sign and she's really in no, and, and because the company she was working for uh, revoked her access and took all her, her research. Um, she's in no rush to go back to what she was going through every day, day after day. So she's, She's going along with it because there's nothing else, there's nothing else for her to do right now, um, and uh, and they're they're not really um, they're not exactly forthcoming with one another. There's there's because when she rips up the divorce papers in front of Dorian, you know she doesn't really go into detail as what led to that. She she does she she finally realizes you know she, she kind of bit her head off a little bit so um so she does talk about uh her ex-husband and and how the marriage fell apart um but dorian's kind of keeping all of her secrets to herself at the moment um and there is a moment where uh where dorian is um is is looking at uh, at the doctor because Dorian is gay and and she may be catching feelings for Doc and um, but obviously you know she's like well she was married so maybe she's bisexual then so she's she's going through all these these different things in her head but um, she uh, we'll see if anything if if she acts on it or if or if a relationship um, blossoms during this but um but at this point now i just want to see where else um dorian's where where faust's journal is is going to uh is going to take them she did cheat she did skip ahead to the last page and um and she's a little bit um now she's pissed at her brother because of where they're supposed to end up and um she uh she's now she's feeling some kind of way about that because I think she just had other ideas as to where this this little adventure was going. But um, but no, it's it's been a um, it's been a fun three issues. It's wrapping up, and um, and I I wouldn't mind seeing more of these two. I don't know if um, if this is planned to continue after these uh, five, I think issues, but. Um, I kind of 
don't want it to end, but it is, it's, it's, it's one of those books where I just, I, I, I look forward to it. It's, it's fun. It makes me smile. I said, I mean, it, it's, 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 the art's fantastic, but these two characters seem to be, um, pretty well fleshed out based on, uh, the, the handful of pages we've, we've seen them on so far, but yeah, I would, um, I think, no, I don't think the trade's been solicited yet. But yeah, I'd uh, I'd, I'd recommend keeping an eye out for it if uh, if you haven't checked it out yet. That's from Image, right? It is from Image. Nice, cool beans. What else you got? Anything before we bring um, it on home? I've got my in your travels. I did catch up on. Um, Frontiersman, which um, such a good book is it, it. It really is. I mean that the fourth issue with um, with uh, Brynhildr. It's um, who you know she's showing her age in some regard, but uh, but but she still fills out her um, her outfit pretty well. Fourth issue, if um, I don't want to say this is you know. Breasts Orama, but the fourth issue definitely shows uh, shows some of the female form. But um, but no, it, it's I, I dig the whole oh hot moon pages in the back. I I, I think the, uh, the Ferrari's art is great. Um, I think uh, I, I I like the flashbacks that we get seeing about uh, Frontiersman's old team and and uh, the other characters he's interacted with in the in, in the first four issues and and how far back they go and what hijinks they all might have gotten into at some point but so we're, we're, we're basically i mean we're seeing it all through through his lens through frontiersman's lens but we are um finding out more about the characters in, in this universe and and um how how, how they kind of just how he thinks about them where they just kind of show up at the tree that he's protesting in and um, we get some flashbacks in in that regard. So I I, I appreciate, especially I mean, if enjoy The Witcher and, and 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 jumping timelines, then I think knowing that this isn't so so straightforward. Yeah, we're we're in the present day, and this is what he's doing. But we uh, we get the um, things get filled in as uh, as the story continues, and 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 I I dig that approach. We're not we're not just starting from the ground floor and, and seeing this all play out as, as it does literally where we're getting, um, it, it's, it's like a conversation. It's like, you know, when someone tells, if someone you just met starts telling you something about their past, you're, you're getting filled in as it goes. And that's, I think they're doing a good job with that with Frontiersman. Yeah. It was a really strong contender in my best new series category. Really? Yeah. Very strong. I, I think the book is great and I never would have, uh, Looking at the art for the first issue is the thing that compelled me to order it. So I was like, "All right, this art looks phenomenal. I'm gonna, I'm gonna order it." I didn't even read the solicitation, but the whole socially aware um, aspect of the book, like, okay, uh, I'm, I'm immersed in it now. The, I think the creators are are very, very competent at what they do. So they they've pulled me in. But if you told me going into it what the book was really going to be about i was i'd be like yeah okay i'm done yeah uh you know but the uh the art is just phenomenal i think the characters are great i like the way they subtly 
slide into the mythology without you really being aware they're holding up a, a like this is what happened before we got here so, you know what i mean so yes. it, it it's not blatant i think it's 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 a it's an effortless little title it just it just flows wonderfully i love it yeah but it didn't ultimately win my best new title so hey well um, the, the, yeah no 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 i'm not i don't want to know what but did did the book that did the book you chose does it have more? Did it have more than three issues published in in twenty twenty one? Yes. Okay. Then I, I mean, I, that's just. What, I'm not being a dick, but what does that have to do with it? Like, why does it have to be three more than three? Because for something to it's as great as as Frontiersman is. These are the damn rules. No. Right, yeah. I mean, this is just this, this is me being this is me being a dick. Where like uh, if I I. I would need more than three issues to say something was the best thing that year. Damn. Well, it's not the best; it's your favorite. So, right, right, right. Yeah. Well, no, best. I know, I know. According to us, it's the best. Way. But yeah, we call right, it yeah, favorite. I mean, it's our favorite, and that's why we picked it. But no, I, I yes, you're absolutely right. My favorite thing. Would it be a contender? Yes, like you said, Vince. Absolutely. It's. I mean, I'm still buying it. I, 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 I get it when the shop gets it, but. Um, it's that's one of those things where it, it's like it's like miniseries. It's like why would. How is the first two issues of a miniseries going to be like? You know, your favorite miniseries of of the year when it's we have the rest of the year to go through before we get it finished. So oh, I, I agree with you on that one. I think miniseries should finish in the year from which you're voting or on yes. which you're voting. Yeah, that makes right. sense. But uh, yeah, we part ways but on it, the but quantity. No, no, you're right. But it is yes. If it's a new, if it's a new series, then I don't care if it's one issue. You shouldn't care if it's one issue or three or ten. If it was your favorite thing sure. of the year that started, then yeah, yeah, it shouldn't matter how. But much I think there were at least four, probably three or four of the one that ultimately won for me. So there you go. Um, what? And that'll be next we, week, you people. Yeah, it's true. I got to say, um, we are wrapping up the. We're closing the ledgers. Most of you will be hearing this on Thursday, the 13th. We're closing the ledgers uh, at some point on Friday, the 14th. Probably late because I'll probably check it out after work and working out and stuff. I'll, I'll close it down and we'll start tab tabulating and getting everything ready for the episode. So you have two more days. Um, I know we said this last week, but I'm going to say it again. Much love to you all for hearing, heeding the uh, the siren call to, uh, to contribute. We are now uh, almost 4X where we were. Uh, a week and a half ago when we put out the call in terms of submissions so clearly y'all were just waiting to have the year be wrapped up to do your list but and i know many of you um even pinged me and said uh that you voted for the first time this year so that's great very very happy with the turnout uh after all said and done um and before we do your indie travels vince i want to do a little round robin if i could take us around the world for a second a little quick around the world jaunt how much is this going to cost me it's going to cost you anything. No, take you around uh, the world. It's the Yeah, you want to go on? Blah, blah, blah. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. Well, first of all, um, just do some quick hits because this one you already spoke about in great detail, and I couldn't do it any more justice, but Kaiju number eight. Yeah. read the first volume. Really enjoyed it. Definitely definitely going to keep – you know, I've, I've never been good about um, maintaining – like continuing to read uh, manga series other than a few like like – 20 uh like 20th century boys and and um pluto but but i'm gonna at least uh continue like i was definitely into this enough to i'm very curious to read the second volume um a book last week that you mentioned when i said that uh, i was starting to wake up to the glory of vault 
and you said you weren't sure I was going to dig it, I will have you know, sir, you were incorrect. Money shot. Mm. Right, the first trade. Yeah. Collects the first five issues. I'm stunned. Uh, okay, well, there you go. That's what I'm telling you. Uh, written by Tim Seeley and Sarah Beatty with uh, terrific art by Rebecca Isaacs. One of the first people to ever draw on a jam piece of mine, by the way. Um, you, you know, you had thought, I, and I understand what your reaction was. You didn't think I was going to like it because it isn't explicit. But I right. don't agree. I think it's super explicit. It's not explicit in that it doesn't show, like, visually Rebecca's not drawing a lot of, like, like you know, penetration or, like, actual coitus. Mm-hmm. But, like, the but the dialogue and the narrative is super explicit. Like, what, yeah. the stuff I don't like, and, and, again, I'm not trying to, like, throw shit on your stuff, but, like, I don't like, like, the Vampirella vibe where you have this super sexy, scantily clad character who is almost asexual. Like, they just don't ever, like, pay off on, the, on being sexual. And there's a lot of comics like that, like a lot of good girl comics like that, and that I don't find those appealing at all. Like if you're gonna, but this book is all about sex, and they talk about sex, and they have sex, and it's super, super entertaining. Like I thought it was wildly fun. Now there is a caveat, and that's why I'm doing a quick around the world here. Uh, I think it's one note. I started reading the second trade, and I lost interest because it's basically the first trade over again. So like I'm not gonna stick with it, I don't think. But I thought this first trade, like as a standalone read, was f- super fun. And definitely naughty enough to hold my interest. It um, ran for a good while too. It's still going on. The first, so the first ten issues, the first two arcs are drawn by Rebecca, and the third arc's ongoing right now, and it's drawn by a new artist who I personally don't think is is good. But uh, but anyway, but I have the second trade, and I probably will read that too. It's just I didn't. It's, this isn't. I think I need to give it some time and then go back to it. But I I thought it was great. I thought it was a lot of fun. And it's it's in the in the realm of comics should be ridiculous. This definitely fits right. A story sure. about five super scientists who start having crazy alien porn traveling around the universe so that they can fund their their exploration of space. Like it's, it's ridiculous and I, like in all the right ways. So thumb up to that. Um, not such a thumb up, but I did want to mention it because it is eleven o'clock for themed. Um, Many of you listening know that I've been keeping uh, a publicly available Google Sheet where I've taken all of the best of lists that I've come across that I think look you know legitimate, meaning they seem that, like they're well thought out and they're not just like one random person's blog. Uh, and I've been compiling like a meta list of all of the entries. And it's very – I mean because it's from so many different sources, there are over 200 uh, comics from last year that are nominated at least once and they all get listed. But – but I also you can rank by the number of times they get mentioned, and uh, and this book um, is near the top. It's in the top five of, of most of highly nominated, most frequently nominated books, and that is um, the Secret to Superhuman Strength by Alison Bechdel. Uh, most people know her as the uh, author of Fun Home and Are You My Mother. Um, I enjoyed Fun Home qu- quite a bit. I, I definitely like. I thought that was great when it was coming out. Um, this for me was a complete whiff. I, like it's basically Allison is in her sixties now, and she's always been a, a, uh, obsessed with fitness, and it just chronicles her, her like her interest in fitness and ranging from you know biking to martial arts to you know mountain climbing over the years, broken up by decades. And uh, I, I, like I'm stunned that this book is on the that many best of lists like i i it makes me think that this is the kind of thing where like certain certain sites tcj 
that make these lists feel compelled to put Alison Bechdel's book, regardless of what it's about, on a list. Like, I honestly think that. Like, it's, I thought it was very boring. So, for those of you that, that look at that list I create or try and play catch up by grabbing some of those books that you may not have read and thought, oh, well, this is getting a lot of love. Let me check it out. You might want to pass on this one. I, I don't think it's worth the hype. Um, and then, keeping with the naughty theme, uh, shout out to our friend uh, Cam at Inky Knuckles, one of the, one of the, you know, one of the, one of my favorite art dealers. He's got really great eye, and uh, he, one of his uh, artists that he started repping last year, uh, is a German artist that goes by the uh, moniker EPHK. And uh, Dap and I both spoke about uh, some of his uh, his work, uh, his comics work last year, but um, I backed his Kickstarter for uh, his new art book. And I did a tier where I got his uh, other art books included, right? So, so the, this was for his third volume, but I, I got all three, uh, and they came in the mail. And they're from a—he's uh, German, so you can get them yourself if you didn't do the Kickstarter at uh, clandestinerepublic.com. Um, but uh, his three art books are called Active Measures, Volume One, Volume Two, and Volume X. Now, Volume One and Volume Two are terrific. I think they look great. The well, the, he's. I think I really love the dude's art style, but Volume X is where it's at, and it's called Volume X because it's the naughty stuff, and it is naughty. It is raw and sexy, and man, oh man, is the dude. He should do more of that. So, uh, so m- many of you know him as the uh, artist of, uh, of of Marth Ballas from uh, that came out last year, but but uh, I really do think these art books like. I know some of your people out there are into art books. Um, I come and go with it. Sometimes I love them. Sometimes I don't care about them. Uh, in this case, these are definitely in the love category. Um, I love they all have the same size and sh- like the same trade dress, so they look great together. But uh, but Volume X, which is the one that just came out, oh boy, it's called uh, Lust Lantis. Each one has got its own name. There's Stereostatic, Magnetic, Monopole, and then the new one is called Lust Lantis, like Atlantis. And uh, it is lusty indeed. So huge shout out to EPHK for Active Measures Volume X. Uh, and then um, last but uh, but not least is uh, a comic, and I'm not going to go deep on this one because I think you all are trying to secure copies. I think it was recently resolicited in maybe the last previews or this one. You guys have to tell me. But it's uh, Giant Sized Santos Sisters, number one. It's 56-page spectacular. Uh, another one of those books that um, was uh, under the radar but is getting a lot of love in certain circles for... Uh, last year, it's uh, created by uh, a creator named Fake, like as in you know F A K E, and Greg Petre. So they go by Fake and Petre. Um, the book is uh, it's it's a single issue, you know, old school paper. It's got old school fake advertisements. Definitely feels like a comic you would have picked up in the eighties. Um, it is a color comic about uh, two sisters who have powers. Uh, it's drawn very intentionally to look like a Archie comic. It's it's you know Dan. It, if if someone had told you it was drawn by Dan Parent, you wouldn't you wouldn't disbelieve them. Um, I won't get into the specifics, but it's lots of little vignettes. And in one of the vignettes, there is a Domino uh, analog named Dominix. And I didn't know that going in. I had no idea. But uh, one of their one of their homegirls goes on a camping trip with them, and she's Dominix. And uh, she's got the patch on the other side. But uh, but I'm I'm gonna allow that. Um, but there's like a Howard the Duck faux ad. There's a uh, there's a lot of this is a satirical book, um, and uh, yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun. 
uh, you know, pokes fun of a lot of of tropes that we like. Sometimes it gets really silly. Sometimes it plays a little straighter. But uh, all in all, I thought it was a pretty fun, a fun effort. And uh, I mean, there's a there's a, a there's an abominable snowman villain called the Snow Scrotum, uh, and it's basically like a giant hairy yeti penis. Um, nothing so, wrong with yeah, that. Nothing wrong with that. So, uh, and like I said, I believe uh, it's. I found the copy from our friends at Challengers in Chicago. Um, but I believe it is being re- either resolicited or finally broadly solicited it's, in previews. It's um, in this month's previews under Floating okay. Word. There you go. Um, good old Floating World. Uh, we're giving them a lot of love tonight. So there's my little around the world real quick. I just wanted to uh, to talk about those books. Get them off our my slate. I kind of like the around the world. There you go. Works for me. Mm-hmm. And we hope this worked for you because uh, – we're out of here, people. If you want more of this, go to Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, and Facebook, uh, Spotify, Podchaser, all that crap. We're, we're everywhere. Check out our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. And remember, the list of specials are up at Discount Comic Book Service. You're going to get uh, Godzilla versus the Power Rangers number one for a lousy $1.99. ZVRC, Zombies vs. Robots Classic, number one. The great Ashley Wood, $1.99. And Witches Complete Collection Omnibus Graphic Novel will cost you $13.99. In your travels, uh, this is going to reach back to the Ken Landgraf talk uh, I went in to the episode with. I read a little book from Floating World Comics and Outlaw Comics called Apocalypse 5000, which was done by Ken Landgraf and Bob Hazar. These uh, strips um, are reprinted from uh, New York City Outlaws 3 to 5, which was uh, also published by Jason Miles, T. Miles, and uh, Floating World Comics. The production values on this book are great. Real heavy paper. It's a black and white book. Nice um, clay coat cover. The art is is wonderful and uh, really evocative of the Bronze Age. And I say that because that's where most of the swipes Landgraf pulled to create this book came from. I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm really not. Uh, when, when you need to meet a deadline or for whatever reason, swipes are very often a necessary evil for an illustrator but the level of swipes in this book is pretty ridiculous there are panels that you know were cribbed from a drawing by neil adams or more importantly gil kane there uh steranko um there's a lot of tendrils that are reaching into the past it's almost like looking at at ghosts or specters from the bronze age because you've seen a lot of this art in other forms by other people before um and i don't want to slight landgraf's talents because i think he's very good uh at what he does but what he does is a bit of a melting pot from the bronze age like there's one panel that is blatantly unapologetically cribbed from 
Gilcane. There's some Paul Galassi pulls in here too, but I mean, you know the pose. You've seen the pose a million times. The crooked back, the chin out, the the arm poised in a in a in a, a fashion that the hand is reaching out towards the the, the viewer, and the fingers are all crooked, like like Gil Kane used to do. Right? There's a lot of that in this book. Um, I, I, I don't know if it's homage or if it's a shortcut for Landgraf, but there's a, there's a good, a, a, a hefty amount of swipes in this book. Did I not enjoy it? No, I, I enjoyed it very much. I thought it was, it was, it was fun um, because I'm, as a child of the Bronze Age, anybody that, that plays in this this arena is is going to win me over of course um and it's it's a standard post-apocalyptic robots um ascended humans are are scum and and you got your freedom fighters trying to bring down the 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 evil robots and cyborgs i mean it's it's it doesn't break new ground in that tradition it's very kill raveny i enjoyed it but because, I mean, I think a large part of my enjoyment came from the fact that I've seen, I've lived, I know where a lot of this stuff came from. So I don't want to be malicious or, or you know, evil-spirited, but um, I, I think Landgraf owes a lot to the people who came before him in, in, in creating this book. That's all I'm going to say. Is it worth your dollar? I don't know. You decide. Go to Floating World Comics, uh, check out Apocalypse Five Thousand. You decide for yourself. I think it's it, it's 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 a winner for me. I, I, but again, buyer beware. It's 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 very much a tale of not only this 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 Firewalker dude who's trying to to win against these robots, but this is also a tale of the the creative individuals that came before Ken Landgraf and applied their talents to new and unique works, and Ken is just manipulating them for his own personal gain, I guess you could say. Not a glowing review, but um, a conception... Uh, sorry. Uh, in your uh, travels, yeah, go ahead and maybe find this if you want. No, I, I think it's... the original where it came from. <laughs> right. No, I think it's a neat It's a neat little experiment. Like, to, I, I would like people to take a look at his cover for Municipal Threat and this book and decide whether um, they're, they're okay with an artist blatantly acquiring things from from other people now i mean i i i i don't want to say that it was it was done in a in a evil spirited way I, but what's your opinion what's your take on this you know leave a comment <laughs> i don't know what to say i i, I think it's it, as an illustrator i know there are times when uh shortcuts are very much welcome and necessary but when the shortcuts amount to the number in this book i where does it, where does making it easier for yourself, a la Wally Woods, don't draw what you can swipe, um, where does that end and where does the identity of the person working on the book begin? 
the visual voice. Like, I, it, it's a fascinating concept to me because um, nobody who came up during the Bronze Age would look at this book and not realize where a lot of this stuff came from. Again, it, but it's not it's not poorly done. I think it's exciting. It's 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 it's. Uh, but it owes a lot to Steranko and and Kane and and uh, Adams and and, and you know, all those people that that came before. But so just, I don't know. Make your own decision. Apocalypse Five Thousand from Floating World Comics. Go ch- and Outlaw Comics. Go check it out. Come to your own conclusions. Okay. Don't let me guide your ship. Yeah, say that now after 778 episodes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, in your travels, um, this is from Fantagraphics. This is uh, a fog over Tobiak Bridge. Tobiak? Tobiak? Anyway, uh, which is in France. The... Um, this is adapted by Jacques Tardy uh, from the novel by uh, Leo Malay and or Mallet. Um, the art is I mean, if, if you know Tardy, you you know this art. There's actually I, and I gotta find. I, I have to actually look and see what um, what years these may have actually been drawn because um, there was a bit more. To my eyes, and not that he was an influence, but I there, there were there were images in here. There were characters. The way the faces were drawn, the way the clothes were drawn, um, reminded me of Rick Geary more so than some of his other work, like the 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 two murder books that um, that Fanta released. Um, it, it it's still tardy, obviously, but it was just that the, there are things, and because it, it's a bit of a it, it's it's a shortish story um it's uh 70 odd pages i don't even think not even not even 70 pages um but uh, mr burma is our hero uh he's um he's he was a anarchist way back when he's a uh detective now private investigator uh the story takes place in 1956 uh in november 1956 um there are gypsies there's a murder mystery and uh we watch nestor fill things in there's people from his past which is uh which can cloud his uh his thoughts on on coming to conclusions as as, as to who may be responsible for things or uh it will actually make it the light shine a little brighter because he knows some of these people from when he was uh, when he was younger, but it was a um, it was a solid, really solid story. I, I liked it a lot. Um, it was one of uh, two Tardy books that came in in my recent box. The other was uh, Farewell, the one that uh, was talked about a month or so ago. But um, so I'll start that soon once I finish my classes. But uh, this one, this was really good. It, it, it's it's a familiar story. This I believe it was. Um, I no, I don't know if this one was made into a movie, but there's Nesta Bruma has appeared in in other Leo novels, Leo stories. Um, but this particular story just kind of rings familiar to me. But 
as far as the beats and the and, and the locations and and some of the characters. But the um, it was a lot of fun. I it, which is weird to say, but it it's still um, I couldn't stop turning the pages as I'm reading it. I just get further and further into it, trying to figure out, trying to see if I can guess as to who may have done what. Um, but as with most of Tardy's works that I've read so far, um, because of the adaptation, um, there are things that the characters think or says, or the caption boxes tell you what the character is thinking or is going to do, even though Tardy just drew it. So it is, there's that little bit of redundancy here and there, but it doesn't, um, it doesn't impede my enjoyment. It doesn't, uh, pose any speed bumps. It's still seeing, seeing these people and these locations, um, under Tardy's pen is, is a, uh, is a sight. And, and, um, Glad I was able to enjoy it. So, uh, in your travels, fog over Tobiak Bridge. Sounds good. We've been giving Tardy a lot of love lately. Deserved. For sure. Uh, in your travels, if you haven't already, uh, check out Rorschach, written by Mr. Tom King, with Art by Jorge Fornes, colors by uh, Shocker, Dave Stewart. Um, I uh, I read the first issue of this and then immediately decided that uh, it was something I was going to read in totality. So I uh, bought the hardcover, which uh, collects all 12 issues of the series. And definitely, uh, I'm not going to, we haven't done the t- uh, final votes, but this is definitely one of the heavy contenders for many of you for, uh, for best uh, limited series of last year, incidentally. Um, this was Tom uh, being having the balls to uh, go into the Watchmen mythos and uh, add a layer. Uh, obviously, it's named Rorschach for a reason. It's it's a story about Rorschach, but it's not the Rorschach that, uh, that we knew from the Watchmen comic proper. This story takes place 35 years after uh, the events of Watchmen in this universe. Uh, basically, it starts off with an assassination attempt with uh, for a presidential candidate named Turley. Uh, Watchmen and a sidekick, a, a, a young woman dressed as a cowgirl. They uh, show up at the basically the Republican National Convention, as far as I can tell, and try and kill Governor Turley. Uh, they are stopped. They are killed. This all happens in the first issue. Um, the The majority of the series is about a uh, an unnamed detective um, who is brought in to uh, try and figure out what uh, what happened, who done it, and uh, he goes through interviewing lots of people, and uh, we learn more and more about um, the uh, the assailants, the deceased, uh, and. You for, you find out that uh, that uh, the Rorschach in question here is actually a uh, an older gentleman who is uh, pretty unmistakably uh, based on Steve Ditko. He is a uh, uh, an old an elderly retired reclusive comics creator who uh, 
for some reason decides to don the mask, the Rorschach mask, and attempt to kill this uh, this uh, politician. Um, but uh, but what I think is cool and is it, 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 this book is to me like we were just talking a couple weeks ago about Tom and how he has this uh, this penchant now for doing these twelve issue series and it's kind of become like his thing. And yes, this is also a twelve issue series, but I will say structurally this book is much different than uh, pretty much all the other books that uh, that have fit that format for him. Um, first of all, like many of us, Tom has like an incredible love for the source material, and so there are tons and tons of little homages to uh, the original work in a very uh, thoughtful and loving way. And I'll just leave it at that because if I, I think people should discover that for themselves, but. What's interesting is uh, is his his choice here of like the sidekick that they call the kid. It's a, again a young blonde woman who dresses like a cow a cow a cowboy. Um, we find out her name is Laura Cummings, and in essence, I would argue that she is in fact the main character of this story. Um, we learn of her history. She was she was basically raised on a compound by a paranoid uh, dude who, uh, after the events of Watchmen. Um, is convinced that the squid are still here and that they are, uh, they can infest people's minds. And so he's, he's, a, he's, you know, a bit of a cultist, uh, survivalist type of dude. And he raises her, uh, as part of his militia, like she's his daughter, but, but he's got a militia, he's a cult leader and, um, basically trains her to be like a super badass assassin survivalist. And she takes up his mantle of believing that these squid are here and becomes basically a paranoid schizophrenic, um, but what's fascinating is, in essence, we come to learn that she is uh, responsible in many ways for the Rorschach um, like persona, like the Rorschach uh, ideology persisting, and that she has actually been responsible for uh, many people donning the Rorschach uh, mask uh, after the OG. And uh, and and it ends in a uh, a fascinating way. Uh, it's a crime book. It ends in a way that I, I I would imagine many people saw coming. I certainly did, but I still think it was neat. And I'll leave it at that. But uh, Fornes's art is terrific. It's uh you know perfect for a crime book. Uh, he's in that Somni school for those that don't know. Little little more, I think, a little less cartoony than Somni, but. Same kind of line weight and same kind of vibe. Um, but I thought it was terrific. Uh, I thought it was really well paced. And uh, as far as like a procedural goes, I thought it was definitely um, like I was a little side eyed like many about even though we love Tom, like Tom dipping his toes into the Watchmen water. And I have to give him credit because I think he came out unscathed. Like I think he didn't in any way. Uh, bastardize the source material um, or mess with Rorschach. Like, cause I wouldn't have been too into learning. Like if this was just a prequel where we learn about the original Rorschach and his real name and like who he was and what, you know what I mean? Like it would have been like his history. I, I wouldn't, it would have felt pretty hollow to me, like pointless. This is not that in any way. And I really do appreciate that um, much in the same way. The Watchmen TV show on HBO uh, built built off the canon of the book without in any way assailing it. I think this does the same thing. So uh, thumbs up to Tom and to Jorge, and uh, we'll see if this, in fact, 
shows up on the Oscars. I can tell you because I haven't done the final tallies because we've got a lot of votes coming recently. But I can tell you that uh, when I did a scan of an earlier version of the votes, this was definitely a likely winner. So, ooh, foreshadowing, love it. Dun dun dun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, everybody. Uh, remember what I said. A lot of social media outlets will give you more 11 o'clock comics. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. All that stuff. Come back next week for the big, the big to do, the O'Closkers with a guest. It's going to be a long one, so bring a sandwich and something to drink. Settle in. Or just hit the pause button when you get a chance. Whatever. We love you so much. Do it. Say goodnight. I'm guessing I'm going to not be in the zone for a lot of my picks for the 11 o'clockers. I'm just guessing. David. Good night. Jay says nothing to say. Well, I mean, like you're stating a truism, right? I, I, mean, I, I, it's usually that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, more than ever. I mean, in some years past, if you look at the results, I mean, you, you at least read a chunk, of, a decent enough chunk of quote unquote mainstream books that, like, at least for those categories, you were likely in line. But, but we'll now, give it you, to him. I mean, you didn't really read much of any of that, so no. I, but I, I think I there, you're not going to. There's at least. One, two, three, maybe three where I'm going to probably dovetail with the, the listeners but other than that yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah because quality's quality then Regard- it's your favorite yeah regardless right precisely alright people come back we love you get out of here tell them you love them do it peace and hair grease I have mild fondness for many of you it's not enough you know who you are from the guy that you, I love legit, but but the rest of you, I just you know I, I find this for you. Right. I guess that's good enough. Sad, so sad. <laughs> Gotta earn that love. Oh my god! <laughs> how many? How many steps before the king? I don't know. Three. That's right. You may proceed. Uh, listen, I mean, I have a big heart. I mean, but I'm, if I'm going to give you the love, I want to make sure it's you know. I get it. That's it for that one.